Mr. Steidel, how are we doing? Good, how are you? Another day, few less dollars. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Especially now that you bought a house. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm finding out very quickly that um, things add up, and you never have what you need when you're moving into somewhere, and then, like, I think we've made like five target runs already, my wife and I, so... <sighs> And it's not going to stop. Yeah. That's the thing. It's this is just the beginning, and it's just going to be a constant. Uh, what what point can we get to where we feel like okay, we've we've got a little bit of this taken care of now. What's the next thing? So um, definitely, definitely uh, finding that out. But you know, it's uh, every week is a little bit uh, better just because we can get more more settled in, I guess. But um, I'm telling you right now, it's, those target runs aren't going to stop. No. Well, and like I tell people like Target to my wife is Fleet Farm to me. So, I mean, when she goes to Target, there's a good chance that I ran to Fleet Farm and uh, we're going to both come back with stuff that we, we probably don't need. But, you know, you go to Costco, that's what always happens. They always have like good deals on like lamps and stuff. And we always we, end up buying like, oh, look, we got more dishes. Like we need more dishes. Shout out, shout out to Costco. We have a Costco membership, but uh, I don't know why. We don't take advantage as much as we, we should. Um, it's just, I don't know. We, we tend to get, like, our laundry and our, uh, like, toiletry items and stuff in bulk. Cause it's Non-perishable like, stuff. Yeah, because I don't feel like making a trip to the store for toothpaste. You know, if I can get a couple tubes and just have one on hand, it seems to work out. But, um, Throw it in the back of the shelf. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, no, anyway, we're getting it, we're getting it figured, figured out. Um, but Aaron, I want to, um, for, for those that are going to be listening and, uh, getting a chance to know you a little bit more, um, thank you for taking, uh, a little bit of time to come on the podcast and talk, talk to me about a few things. Um, I want, there's quite a bit I want to get to, um, so we're kind of my first, um, point or question and whatever you want to uh, call it so you grew up in carlos minnesota which when i looked i, I had to look it up because i i wasn't familiar with the town um as a like, carlos minnesota i've never heard because a lot of my friends are from uh the friends that i made after uh, high school were from minnesota so i've kind of gotten to know more towns than um i ever thought i would and but carlos was one of those i was like ah, i've never heard of it had to look it up uh, according to Google, uh, about 500 people. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, now. You know, when I grew up, when I was like middle school to early high school, it was more like 400. Okay. And then they kind of like added on a new development. So, they, got older. so they've had but a like boom? Year, I think it hit 500. So they've had a boom since then? Not, not really. <laughs> I don't want to say a big boom. I mean, they just put on a new development and added like, you know, 15 houses total, just some lower-income houses on the edge of town, like sure. a new area. And then a lot of people moved in from, you know, seven miles from Alex. So it's a pretty, okay. for me, it was 14 minutes of high school every day. So it was nice, like, so Alexandria, you know. Yeah. Pretty decent-sized town. It's 15,000. Sure. 30,000 in the summer. Um, so, yeah, and, and for those that have been keeping up with, you know, a little bit about myself, I, I grew up in a, in a small town as well. Uh, but my... Mohal, uh, which is north of Minot, um, had, I, I would say, pushing 750, 800. I, I could be off a little bit. But um, so 
very similar in terms of town size and and the kind of that everybody knows everybody um, type place. So with you know kind of being like you said, you weren't that far from Alexandria, but um, what what were some of the favorite things that you did growing up um, as a youngster? Well, you know, we had a tomball team. I was a bad boy for that for the longest time. I thought it was cool hanging out with all my cousins. You know, they were all like, what, probably my age now, anywhere from 18 to 23, 25. And they just come back and play tomball all the time. So I got to hang out with them. I thought that was the coolest thing. So that was my first round older people in sports. And I like saw how these guys come back from college and didn't play Legion anymore, but they still played tomball and it's kind of cool you know i did that in the summers i had my own lawn business i had like 20 lawns at one point i mowed all these old ladies lawns oh, nice. so i was making i'm making bank from the time <laughs> i was in seventh grade till high school was done with young entrepreneur uh, not a lot to do besides screw around the change tracks, that's for sure sure well it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you had a, a lawn or that you did lawns and you had your own kind of business i worked for a gentleman uh doing the same thing for i think three years three summers i i spent mowing lawns and doing a little bit of landscaping and um, now that I have my own place it's really it's kind of neat to um, kind of have a little bit of a an idea of what you know a lawn should look like and things that you have to do and uh, from a landscaping perspective you know all these different ideas that you can have and so it's kind of it's interesting that you mentioned that so because you um, you spent a lot of time like you said hanging out and and in the activities that you did participate in um, when you kind of got to that age, was there, did you have issues with participation, you know, in numbers? And I know, I know my town did at times. There were years where it was really hard to get enough kids out for, you know, baseball or, or whatever it was. Surprisingly, you know, Alec has a pretty good pull for sports on a lot of stuff. Um, the biggest thing, you know, Alex made up a bunch of smaller towns around it. So sure. like, kids like me, you know, there's like five or six other small towns that are the same distance, but other directions of Alec that all go with Alec. And so for me, it was like me and like three other guys that were from these smaller towns. The rest of them were in from Alexandria. But so we always had good numbers, except for surprisingly not football. My senior, uh, you know, let's see, sophomore year, all, everyone kind of quit. And there's only like nine of us seniors. And for Alec, that was a drop in numbers. Like normally there was 15. Oh. So my junior year, senior year, we were really low, and that's why I think, you know, we just weren't the best, you know, all around. We just didn't have the depth to choose from. We didn't have the commitment. You know, we kind of fell off. I went 1-7 and seven my senior year, and then my junior year, 1-8, and eight, or 2-8, and eight, excuse me. But So it wasn't a big jump going to NDSU from that, from sure. participation. Sure. Were you... I'm sure you guys had issues where you guys weren't, didn't have anyone at all to choose from. Yeah, and you know, in in growing up, we uh, eventually um, I can't remember exactly what age I was, but we co-opt uh, with some area towns, and that helped a little bit. Um, we definitely were able to put teams out on the field or the court, but uh, certainly as I got more uh, invested into high school and, and athletics and whatnot, um, not everybody's interests follow suit. You know, so you're gonna have. Uh, uh, individuals that, you know, just felt like going in a different direction and, and, you know, didn't come out maybe the next year or whatever the case was. So yeah, for sure. We definitely experienced some sort of, um, a, a shortage, if you will, of, of athletes. And I think if you, if you go to a lot of small towns, you know, anybody will tell you that's just, that's kind of what you sign up for, you know, or what you have to deal with. And whether you're a coach, a player, 
Um, it can be tough. It, it can be really tough, especially when uh, you got a group of, you know, athletes and, and that want to, you know, want to play, but you just don't have the numbers. That can be really difficult to trying to find a way around that. From a when you got to drive 30 miles just to play a baseball game. <laughs> well, yeah, and exact, and that's just Practice. it. You know, we're being very rural. The closest uh, city, if you will, was, a, you know, a 38 miles away. And so you, were, you weren't going to be able to pull kids from other towns, you know, necessarily because the distance was, you know, between us and the next town, it was maybe... 10, 12 miles, well, then you're talking about practices. Are you, you know, from a parent standpoint, are you going to be able to get off of work in time to get your son or daughter to, you know, Mohall in time for, you know, and I, I would say now when I talk to talk to parents, um, there's maybe more so of an ability, and I don't know what the reasoning behind that would be, but I just, growing up, it was kind of crazy if you were running a kid to a neck, to another town just to play in something you know so it certainly evolved that's for sure you um see so you, you know like you said you were involved in different things at what point did your kind of competitive spirit uh really start to take you in the direction of wanting to uh participate in more activities you know i played hockey from the time I was probably four to five years old, I played hockey, and that was kind of like always my sport I like to play. You know, team ball, you kind of just, you don't really know what you're doing. You're swinging a bat. And yeah. It's fun because you're with your friends. Um, and then, you know, probably about my, I'd probably say like fifth grade, me and my buddy, uh, buddies in elementary school started like running. And that's, you know, when you're doing like those track and field events or mm -hmm. you just do a little bit of uh, competition. That's when we started getting like the mile run. You just run a mile at recess every day so you can run the fastest so that way at the end of the year you had the mile time and you know must have ran was a 603 believe it or not i was decently fast at one point that's that's moving pounds. <laughs> but so we used to run like every single day at recess and that's kind of where my competitive started well then that carries into seventh grade football fell in love with football you know my cousin was uh, uh gonna be a junior and then he eventually a senior captain so i looked up to him and all his friends and they got me in the weight room with them. So I was hanging out with all these seventh graders, hanging out with all these seniors in the weight room, listening to the Shaggy. And it's actually some of my favorite <laughs> memories sure. is uh, them, them picking on me because, you know, I'm doing little weights. Well, then, yeah. you know, in three years, they're in college and I'm starting to get bigger. And they're like, Red, you know, they call me Red. <laughs> and like, it's kind of cool. Like those memories, every time I hear a Shaggy song, it just kind of reminds me of, like you said, the start of the competitiveness. Sure. So at a pretty young age, I'd say fifth grade. You know, and that's, that's interesting because I, I remember those those similar uh situations you're, you're the young face or whatever you you know and you uh get a chance to maybe hang out with some of the older older players and uh yeah i can remember a few times being in the weight room and just not really knowing what i was doing uh but it was more so the fact that i got to be around these older players and like you said listen to the music and uh kind of definitely opened up my eyes to some new things and so um certainly like like you said kind of draw memory from that what i should, what I should actually say though is that probably the time that i actually remember really getting competitive is watching my cousins and his uh teammates or buddies at the time on this treadmill they you know they used to do a treadmill and yeah. they literally push each other so hard on it like well you can't go up half of them 
you know, a quarter of a mile per hour. He can't go faster. And that's <laughs> kind of where I, I caught it on. You know, I was doing it with my friends, you know, doing small weights, like benching, like, like two and a half extra, you know. But that's, I guess I kind of learned it from them, just watching them do it to each other. And it kind of carried on from there, so. Well, I, you know, I like you mentioned the races. That was a big thing with my friends. I There was, it seems like an entire year from what I can remember, but there, we went through this phase of like, we had this, we had an old practice field out in our playground and everybody, mostly, mostly the guys would run out to this field and we had a starting point and we had a finish, you know, a point that you had to run to and oh, did it get heated. I mean, sometimes it got really competitive with, you know, who was the fastest, who was, did, you know, did you touch the right tree or, you know, it was just, sometimes it would turn into these kind of little mini arguments of whatever. And I, I just look back and I laugh cause it was like, that was our entire world in that moment, you know, it was just, and, and like you said, I think that's for, for myself too, that's where that competitive juice and wanting to compete and outwork the person next to you kind of manifested itself. Um, as you kind of got older, so let, you know, as we move through the calendar here, uh, you're coming into high school. Um, were there things, and I know you mentioned you played hockey, uh, were there other activities outside of, um, cause we know obviously what you end up going on to do. Um, were there other activities, uh, maybe non-athletics that you were interested in or doing or? Yeah. So I played, you know, I played football, hockey, I played baseball. And then my last two years, junior and senior, I ended up throwing in track and field. Um, just like that turned out really well. It was like an individual sport separated me, but besides sports, I was part of a explorer program, um, for, it's like part of boy scouts of America, you know, mm-hmm. into fire explorer. So it's kind of cool. I got to hang out with the, I was a sophomore and the two senior football players that were on it, you know, you get to hang out with all the fire department. My dad, my whole family's on the fire department back home. And I was, I got to go into the state fair, do competitions that way, like get, who gets dressed the fastest. And that was one of them. Um, I really definitely, that was probably one of my favorite ones because I got to hang out with some of the older guys. And it was just kind of fun. Like I said, it was another thing that you were competitive in uh, at the state fair. It's almost like going for 4-H, but a different type of subject, you know. Um, other than that, you know, I was mainly busy with sports all the time, so there wasn't really time to do other things. Sure. Did you do uh, any sort of uh, 4-H or uh, anything like that? No, I never got to do 4-H. I always wanted to. You know, my mom's best friend kids were all in it, and I was always helping them out at, at the fair. You know, I'd always go with them, but mm-hmm. I just never had the time to put in to have an animal. Sure. Yeah, and that's in very, very similar. Uh, I, there was, I had, and probably my friends would disagree that listen to this, but I, I, there was a point where I was maybe interested in doing something like that, but as I got more invested into summer camps and and you know, traveling teams and all these things, there just wasn't a, um, like you said, you just didn't have enough time in the day for something like uh, that. But my, my focus was elsewhere, that's for sure. Yeah. So what, at what point um, did football be kind of come to the forefront as something that, you know, you were obviously focusing on in that moment, but something that came across your mind where you're like, maybe this is, there's an opportunity for me to continue to play. What kind of, where, where was that moment for you? You'd be surprised, actually. You know, I, my sophomore year, going into my freshman year, my sophomore year, I was actually starting running back. And then 
uh, for a couple games, anyhow. And I got to play varsity, and I just had a blast, you know. And I, I didn't really see myself going anywhere because yeah, I was what, 177. Little did I know the next year I'd gain uh, another 20 pounds. And then after that, my senior year, I'd gain 30 pounds in my senior year. I went from tight end to a lineman. And I didn't, you know, I never saw myself going to college. I actually, football, I thought I was going to be like a Navy SEAL. Like, mm. that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a Navy in, in, like, the Special Forces. <laughs> sure. And then I, you know, pay for my school and whatever. And then um, I had a college coach call me my junior year after my season. Uh, when you finish your season, they can start talking to you. And I had a D2 coach call me. His name's Coach Lou from Duluth. And he asked me, uh, he's like, yeah, blah, blah. We watch your film. We think you can play here at D2. And I was like, oh, wait, what? I have potential <laughs> to play after this and you'll pay me money? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, I was like, that's pretty sweet. What's that feeling like when you realize that, uh, like, you, you know, it, you were obviously taken back. So describe to me that feeling of being like, wait okay, like, is there something here? Because um, it sounds like, not that you didn't, you weren't aware of it, but maybe you, like, you just had maybe other uh, plans and then all of a sudden this coach calls you. Just so, just walk me through that that process. Yeah, part of it was just I didn't know I had potential. Honestly, you know, I come from a smaller place. Our team wasn't very good. We were, like I said, we were 1-7 my senior year. Um, other guys were going for other sports and stuff, and junior year ended, and I had a coach call, like I said, he called me and said, hey, yeah, you have a chance to, you keep working hard, and he goes, and you keep doing things, get stronger in the weight room, uh, show, show Pete's camps this summer, and he goes, and you're going to have a chance to play D2, no problem. And I was like, oh, okay, like I said, it just kind of caught me, like, surprised, like, and really put me in a motivation, like, I can do this. Okay, I, no one ever told me before, like, you're going to play. And then my coach, after that happened, my high school coach, and Sammy Down was like, hey, he goes, you got to start. You know, I, I know you're pushing it harder and stuff, but you got to step up this year um, in the weight room even more because it's going to make a difference. You have a chance that you could play Division One, And at the time, you know, NGC wasn't really talking to me yet until I went to the camp. And I was just kind of like, okay. He just gave me a little bit of feed of, okay, there's a chance. And that's all I, my entire career I fed off of that was there's a chance for me, you know. And like, and I think, Aaron, it's a great point to be made, you know, like many of uh, players and, and athletes, they all will touch on some sort of degree of that opportunity of just getting um, just their foot in the door, whether it's, like you said, a conversation with a coach at a camp or a look from uh, a scout or something. I think it's so inspiring to hear someone like yourself and others that say, you know, it wasn't, uh, my chips weren't all in at that very moment. Then all of a sudden, I, I get an opportunity and then that's when you realize like if I really go I work harder than I've ever worked I've I commit myself more than ever uh you can maybe see this thing through but there's no guarantees you know that's the thing about it yeah. is and that's what separates I think sports from a lot of di- things is there's no guarantees you can be very talented you could be uh you could have a lot of things going for you but there's no guarantee at the end of the day that um what you want to happen will happen because there's a uh it's not just you and in a lot of sports like football it's you and and several other of your teammates and you know there's so many things going on around you so i think it's a great point that you make that you just needed that opportunity would you say that the recruiting process um was was that were you stressed out at all or was, did you have any anxiety about 
I had a, so I started out at the camp and I was, uh, you, you know, you said you kind of get more motivation from it. I think it was more confidence. I was more, you know, I was always the kid who was trying to win first and, you know, I was always pushing myself to be first in conditioning. Who's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, can I beat a, a running back and I'm a tight end or a lineman? Can I be the first one to finish every time, you know? Um, and then that carries you into, you're always working hard at these camps. So I come to the NDSU camp and I get told, hey, hop up here, go against this guy, blah, 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 you know. I think they had been watching me on film but didn't really notice me. Well, I just did a bull rush and put this guy who's like a, coaches were watching the whole time and I stepped up and I was like, I'll take him. And everyone's kind of like, you know, the big recruits are kind of get told to get go first. And I stepped up and I put this guy in his, plot him over mm-hmm. on a board drill or whatever. And then Coach Vegan at the time, he's now at uh, Wyoming, and he was – Hey, what's your name? And I talked to him. Oh, yeah, Mary Minnesota. He goes, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Alexander, Minnesota. He goes, oh, my, you know, his sister-in-law's from there. And she was actually my homeroom teacher in middle school. She started talking to me, and then I, he goes, hop up again. I did a, it was a pass rush, and I did okay. Just push him back and, you know, like a long arm type of thing. And that's all I knew. And sure. it just went well for me from there. Uh, and then that started the recruiting process with Coach Vegan. Well, during the season, they're talking to you staying high, you know, keeping tabs on you. You know, I wasn't going to be a scholarship guy. I knew that from the start. Um, get to D2. D2 was really, you know, some money was there. You know, D2 doesn't have a lot of money, but they were talking to me about some scholarships and just staying interested with them and going to their, you know, their um, game visits and stuff. Got to go to an NDSU game. was awesome. They raised the championship banner. I was on the field, and that's where I was like, I know where I want to go. Yeah. It's just, am I going to get the chance? And... Then we get to February, and that's where the anxiety, or January, anxiety starts getting turned up. Coaches leave. I was supposed to go for an official visit, like, um, like literally three days before Coach Vegan called me and said, hey, we're going to get you a personal, uh, your official visit here. And I find out on Twitter that Coach Bull and Vegan are leaving. Okay, so that's like, where, like, that's okay. where you found out about uh, that. Okay. Literally two weeks uh, to figure this out, pretty much before all these visits come by, phone's dead. No one calls me from NDSU. So I'm sitting there like, wow, I'm really getting stressed out. I'm like, D2's my only option. You know, the coaches aren't interested in me anymore. And uh, from there, I get told, I, you know, I get told my coach, like, you know what, send me an email to see what's going on. And I get an email from Coach uh, Gazer, who's my position coach later in the future. You know, I says, hey, Aaron, blah, 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 we lost your contact information. Just be, uh, would you be interested in coming down for an official visit? You know, we'd like to keep you as a, like, look at you as a walk-on, preferred walk-on. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Go for an official visit. And I was hooked instantly. Like, the way the culture, I had Brian Schatz. He's like my big brother, pretty much. Same personality, same background, small town, only child. And just the same personality, same position, same body. And from there, I was just hooked. Everything about NDSU was what I wanted, and I eventually picked that over Duluth. Tough decision for me to pick, you know, a couple thousand dollars to be a walk-on, and and, and then it worked out. So, you know, just to kind of go back here, you you said you were on the field, because um, I, I want to talk to you about the, about the Coach Bowl and, and that kind of crazy, how that all unfolded, but to, to touch on the being on the field, as a recruit, and I've always been curious about this because I've, I've had a, a, a wonderful opportunity to go to a lot of Bison games, and uh, been, you know, right in the stands for those banner raisings, which was just incredible. Um, from a recruit standpoint, 
how much of that, like being able to, and, and like you said, not every place you're going to go is raising a banner every year. I mean, you get spoiled yeah. to some degree. Um, but from a recruit standpoint, was it, like you, you said you knew where you wanted to go, but was a banner raising or, you know, being in that atmosphere, was that like, yeah, this is, I want to be in this atmosphere every Saturday. Or was there another part of this program that maybe uh, doesn't get a lot of, because we talk, you, you hear, no matter where you, who you talk to, the culture, the, the sense of family, the brotherhood, you hear all those things from the NDSU program, but was there anything else that maybe uh, from us, from a spectator standpoint, we, you would say like, oh yeah, and I, I really thought the the training staff was really kind, you know, and they really made me feel, just give me an idea there. Going into it, uh, you know, I look back now and I realize what everyone did for us and for the recruits, but when I was re- being recruited, or at, at my official, my unofficial visit, the game day visit, you know, I was there and I was just like, you're so, you're talking to, you talk to Coach Bull, he knows your name. And you're like, oh my gosh, Coach knows my name. Okay. And then next, next thing you know, you got talking to two players who were redshirt freshmen at the time who were, ended up being good friends of mine. You know, Tusca was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, you're talking to these players are answering your questions and they're showing you around. Next thing you know, you're in the, in the locker room and while all these players are walking through you're not really you're not in it but you're kind of looking at it like well oh, that's pretty sweet and then these players are out on the field and you're standing on the field and no one like it's not loud yet then all of a sudden like the lights go out and it's just the craziest atmosphere oh man and that it, feeling is so really, second to none yeah no so like i said it's just it wasn't like the, i probably would have noticed more as i got older i noticed what everyone else did to help recruits and be like this is you know, Bobby's our trainer. We have all these great tra- student trainers that help us out and, like, literally put all their time and effort into making sure you're okay. And, like, I didn't, they didn't really – I didn't notice it, but they were telling you about that. They showed us the dorm rooms. Like, you know, we have all these great facilities, the training room, Coach Kramer, and you don't notice them because you're just so, like, feeling everything in. Sure. You're just so amazed that you're, like, I'm at a college university right now and I have a potential, you know. So, so- blacked it out. <laughs> Okay, and so now uh, it's it's uh, I'm really glad that you brought it up. So the the that kind of uh, trepidation when the world or well the the Bison and the community of Fargo found out that Coach Bowl was gonna uh, go to Wyoming. I was actually in the cities. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in the cities. I was with some friends. We were actually going to a uh, Timberwolves. Uh, Miami Heat game and we were at the hotel playing pool whatever that night and buddy of mine's on Twitter or whatever and all of a sudden he's like what no this and like he just comes over and shows us the phone and it's you know uh coach bowl you know um announcing that he was going to be leaving uh for Wyoming and it was it was um at from just a, a person that had no investment in terms of the of being an athlete on a team, I was heartbroken. It was just kind of like, whoa, like we're in the middle of a playoff run here and or going to be uh, first round was happening. And all of a sudden that happened. So, Aaron, just from from a player standpoint, I know you've, you've kind of mentioned it already. Um, but what what feelings and emotions did you have when you had to find out about it on Twitter? Like, that's got to be was, interesting in itself. You know, he wasn't my coach yet, but it was like, the Q is the guy that I was getting excited, ready to play for. You hear all these things, going to recruiting, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, yeah, this, and 
Austin, Coach Bowl, Coach Bowl, Coach Bowl. And then you hear, also it's like Coach Vegan was the guy who was supposed to get me all set up for a, a visit. Next thing I know, he, like I said, just no more contact, just gone. And I'm like, what the heck? I find out, look on Twitter, and here he's leaving. Well, you know, once, they get, once they're get once they leaving, they were done recruiting. They didn't, for us anyways, they did not care. Were you angry? Were you? I was I was pretty just more devastated because I was like, I finally had I feel like I was going somewhere with that coach. You know, you create a relationship. Sometimes it's not all about your talent. It's what you, the coach is recruiting. If you ask them now, they talk. I'm sure Coach Gazer could talk about it because he's been the recruiting coordinator for a while and, and talk about how he could feel players out. Mm-hmm. Just like knowing them, learning them, talking to them, learning how they deal with after losses, after a good game. How'd you play in basketball today? You know, different sports. How, to, how did they do? And I think that was for me, it's kind of like I had been creating this relationship and I kind of lost that relationship. It just was gone. So it was, it was a step backwards for me recruiting, it felt like. Did you ever, did did any of the coaching staff that left for Wyoming, did they ever reach out to you after the fact and wish no. you luck or anything? Or No, I did. Uh, that was kind of one thing I was hoping, but I probably just wasn't a big enough recruit to even be thought of. It's always interesting when when coaching changes and um you know it it happens it's not, not it's nothing new to uh to especially in college football there's always a coaching carousel going on no matter really how far you're into a season or whatever um but uh it's got to be interesting to be put in that position and I I know I know the feeling in terms of developing a relationship with a coach and a bond and then all of a sudden having that like that kind of trust and um, you know, connection with them just kind of go out the window. It, it is, it kind of leaves you on an island and you're not really sure what direction or how you should feel about it. But so moving forward here, you obviously you end up at NDSU. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm sure stood out to you about NDSU people see a lot from the surface. So from the games to, you know, what they read in the newspaper, what they see on, on the, you know, sports, uh, at 10, but what is something that most of us on the outside looking in don't realize, um, that makes that Bison program tick? Um, is there something that you would, you would say, you know, this stands out to me and, and it doesn't maybe get a lot of attention? You know, after the years of constant, like, success, and, you know, everyone's kind of between, like, Colpac and Izzo and all them guys that do all the, the media stuff, they really put out, they find these little niche stories, the stories that kind of make that success. But I'd definitely say, like, the, the most support from past players, like the BFPA, the Bison Player Association, those guys support us so much, and it's crazy. I'd be walking there. I didn't. I was a sophomore, just barely started playing, and these guys were coming up to me saying, "Oh, they're excited to watch me play this year." I'm like, "You've only watched me play maybe 50 plays total in my career." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "How do you even know me?" Well, it's just that brotherhood of them, like trusting the whole. So I got to give props to a lot of the past players, and I hope the players do now to us from when we were playing and the guys ahead of us too. Um, you know, those teams. You kind of learn things from older players. Well, that gets passed down years and years. Imagine 20 years ago, these guys from the 80s who won all these championships, listen to them come in fall camp and talk. You know, that's not on the news line of them coming in and telling their life story and telling just 
literally letting loose for a half hour and just telling us all about their times they had and just so cool seeing that how they you know they had so much passion for the game and passion for their teammates mm-hmm. and i think that's the biggest thing that people don't realize a lot you know our, my senior year you know we sat down at coach Kleiman's house and we're like no one's going to beat us this year that was our goal is we're not going to lose a game um you know we just kind of banded together we all had that goal and just the fact that no one saw that we sat down and plant and said we're not going to get beat this year like that's how much we cared for each other and cared for our team we're like we're not so we literally told ourselves it's just kind of crazy to think like all that maybe i'm just rambling on here but it's just kind of crazy to think that i can't even i don't even know where i'm going with that one <laughs> no and and what so from that from that bison uh, players association who stood out to you the most in in terms of maybe a story that they told or uh, kind of how their path to maybe how they became a bison? Was there anybody that really kind of took you back or um, impressed you or whatever the case may be? You know, I couldn't even pick a player, but I could pick a coach. You know, Pat Simmers came in and talked yep. to us, and he just said uh, he came to NDSU, played football, wrestled back in the '60s, or and they were just you know they back then they were hard nosed like. I didn't know how they played two sports for back then, but even one through football. I mean, they were having the roughest practices. <laughs> he was telling us stories, but it's kind of cool though. He, he made the, the whole thing. He became a coach. You know, now he's, you know, not, maybe not so much now he's retired, but he does a lot of stuff with like fundraising for scholarships. And his whole story he was telling was just how Bison football is more, once he was done playing football and wrestling, what was his next step? He was a part of it. His whole life, you know, he said he'd always believe green and gold because it's constantly, you know, met his wife there. Um, you know, he, his whole time he was working for NDSU the rest of his life at some point. And like, just the fact that he was so invested into the program and then how much that program gave him, that was kind of like my coolest take back from one of those stories and just seeing how much um, every single one of these guys came through, no matter what they talked about, they all had the same finish line of how much many of meant to them because they gave them a chance or gave them um, opportunities, met, you know, friends. And it's kind of cool how everyone had the same moral in the end was how NDSU did something for them. And, and that's, and I think that's just another, you know, tip to the cap to the program that has been established. Um, and there's a lot of great programs out there and a lot of great programs are, you know, even at NDSU, not just in the, in the football um, program, but it's one thing that when they do like the media before the national title, they'll, you know, talk to players and, and, uh, and what you touched on, on the support from the, from past players. Um, I don't think there's a, been a person that's had a microphone put on them and asked that question, you know, well, what, what do you love most about? Um, and they don't mention the, the players that have come before them. It's, it's just so such a connection. And I think that's really cool to see. Um, and, regardless of the success i mean i think you could you could honestly say it would be that way um if things weren't as great as they are you know so that that's the that's the a, a great um kind of notch in what a, a, a program success and sustainability um can be i'm gonna tell you right now so you're talking about recruiting and i'm like if you want to get any recruit to come to NUSU, you take them before frisco the last practice when all the bison players are there the past buys and everyone's coming from all over the place you know you got guys are still in the nfl kyle Daniel standing next to you talking to you 
you know, I was a freshman, he was a senior, stuff like that. You have all these old players come from the 60s, from the 70s, like every year. They're all wearing their rings. They're all, you know, wearing their things. Everyone's talking to everyone. You can talk to anyone. But you put a recruit in that situation, just let them sit there. Don't say a word and just watch for like 20 minutes to uh, 45 minutes, whatever we're there for. If you just sit, let them stand there and watch it, I guarantee that recruit would commit every time. Oh, it's just such a cool atmosphere. And I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I, I, would, I would kill to be able to just be a, a fly in the dome there just to listen to and to be a part of, you know, that atmosphere. Aaron, I'm going to let you kind of brag here um, as we kind of move through your time at NDSU. Um, you, you, and you've got a lot of accolades, uh, both individually and um, team. You, you were part of five Missouri Valley Conference Championships and four uh, national titles. Just, I mean, how do you, how do you, quantify or how do you uh put that amount of success into words is there anything that when you look back and reflect are you kind of just still in awe of what you were able to be a part of and accomplish or um definitely i think uh i think it's very rewarding one to say that i was part you know i'm honored to be a part of a program like i was you know five conference championships uh let alone four national championships and almost a that one year we lost to JMU, almost like we should have. That game we played in the dome was the championship game. Like, yeah, I um, think a lot of people agree. We had all those chances, and then one team, one program gave all of us that chance. It's just crazy to think that, you know, you look back now and it's like, wow, okay, that actually happened, you know. But then again, at the same time, we we're held to a standard we are, from the guys before us and the guys. You know, at this, in the present, it's like there's a standard to be held, and so that's what we always thought. You know, at the time, you didn't think about it. It was just what's what's next. You know, what's the next step of this process? And you know, C- Coach Klein used to say it all the time: attack the process. You know, sounds cliche, but that's what we always said: like the next step. Okay, we did lift today. What's the next step? Now we go to meetings. You know, it was just a, so. Once you're done, then you look back and like, wow, okay, we really did accomplish it. But at the time, you know, you don't think about it. Did you so? Because of the the success that you not only had as a player, but the success that had been um, from the program before you came in, did you feel pressure to to live up to these you know just crazy expectations? Because from like I said, from a spectator standpoint, um, we you know like I said, we get spoiled. We get this unbelievable um, team you know team year after year, and the amount of of just wins and you know it's just crazy there's got to be pressure with that so as a player did you ever feel that more so in certain years or was it always just like you said there was that standard and you just knew you know this is each day is is a building a, a building uh stone yeah no surprising uh i think you probably no surprise here but that you realized that uh jmu you know my sophomore year we lost was at 16 into 16, right? Yep. Um, that game was honestly, after we lost, it stunk, it hurt, you know, put all this effort in this, you know, we kind of let everyone down, I felt like. But we had such good support. Like, everyone's like, you know, you had a good run. You, that's what pissed me off the most. I think that's what pissed everyone off, is hearing that you guys had a good run. So, like, we're not done. You know, this yeah. is over with. And I think, you know, that was kind of a year, everyone, we needed that, to just to be let down for a second, be like, you know what, we're not perfect. And then now look what happens now. We come back, we start, we win one year. Now we're on three again. Props to the team this past year. 
Um, but it's just kind of cool to that year was like, hey, we needed to relax, and that's what happened. That off season, we took her. We didn't go to first coast. We got an extra week off, and then Kramer had us back in the weight room on normal schedule. And you know, we just kind of needed that letdown of you know we're not perfect. And you'll find, um, no matter what level of of sport that you're involved in, and I and I use this loosely because you had a lot of success. But in terms of athletics, failure can sometimes be the best thing that can happen to a team. And by no means, and I'll say this, you know, for a lot of people, you you think you let a lot of people down. Uh, you know, the media might call it a a failed season, whatever. For from a from my perspective, at least from my opinion, uh, I think it was a great humbling process to go through. You know, when you have success and you win a lot, it's not to say that over time um, that's a bad thing because no one will ever argue against that. But what I'm saying is, when you lose a game, like you said, that should have been a championship game, um, which I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, to a team in GMU that reminds me of a lot of a program, and I'm kind of throwing shots here, but it reminds me of a program that's going to put all their chips to the middle and circles NDSU on their calendar, and that's their Super Bowl. That's the team that they are going to invest as much as they possibly can because they know the threat and the powerhouse that is coming out of this, you know, out of this program. And so for for you guys to go through that experience of, you know, not – uh, you know, not getting over the hump, you know, and, and that being JMU, I thought it was great because, yeah, I was disappointed. I want us to win every game. I, I whatever, but it was, it was, I said, let's all take a deep breath. And, you know, I think that this team's going to come back even better. And, and they, and, and you did, you know, and it, so, um, I always try and remind uh, at least young younger players who you know they don't have the the ability to look beyond the next day um they're so you know they're they lose and it's just their whole world is crashing down you got to remind them that you're going to fail and there's going to be times where it's going to you're going it's going to feel horrible but that's what motivates you to get up the next day to get back at it and to become even better at your craft and so there was obviously winning is fun um, and you did a lot of it. Of the national titles, what were some of your favorite moments? And I, I'm sure, obviously, when the clock hit zero and you guys are up ahead of the scoreboard, that's a great, great. But something other than that, uh, anything that sticks out to you about about any of those national title games? You'd be surprised. I think the best moment would be after you win, and then you run up there. But the worst thing is being pushed around and trying to climb up the stairs, and then there's some cameras <laughs> get shot in your face. It's actually... Not fun. <laughs> the fun part's in the locker room after, but you know, it's a fun part of all of them. I'd probably say um, beating JNU. Beating JMU. Um, what year was that? You said. 2017 2017 right 2017 into 2018 yeah okay and I remember um yeah that was that was a that was an interesting game uh to say the least um what you know 
you guys met up with JMU a lot. Uh, from a from a player standpoint, I mean, can you give me thoughts on on a program like that? Did you feel like that they were deserving to be in the position to yeah, play yes. you guys for? Okay. Yeah, no, watching film on them, um, you know, throughout the year, you see JMU, you watch a lot of games of film and watch a lot of other teams play. Other teams, say you're playing in Delaware, you see JMU play. You know, we're getting ready for Delaware, so we're watching JMU's film from their, you know, watch their players. You get to know their players on defense and on offense. I mean, you watch hours of film, right? Mm-hmm. And um, by the time you get to the game, you know so much about the other team just by watching, oh, this player you have respect for other players and I'd say Jamie's probably one of the ones that they're one-on-one talent-wise they beat us no problem and the reason why you know this year the team that won this year you know one-on-one you look at it like wow they should, talent-wise they should probably win <laughs> you know yeah. they got these guys who are going to the NFL like these just freaks and then you put it to the way they work together is the reason why we get the edge on them so if you put it up one-to-one JMU for sure are that year that we won Again, it should have been them, talent-wise. Sure. So, did you did you feel like ever, you know, when you get into these big games, is there like a, what's your routine? Do you have a routine? Do you have a, do you, are you a music kind of guy? Are you a quiet space, you know, kind of, or what's your, how do you get ready for these big games? Yeah, absolutely. I got I, you know, game day comes around, we do our meetings, everyone breaks off, and there's about two hours before a game, or everyone's got their headphones in, I think everyone kind of listens to their own music, and I'm a pretty wide palette of music, you know, sure. I like, I like anywhere, I start out by doing some country, just relax, calm down, and then I, I get into maybe some old Eminem, and then I go down, calm it down, like some like Kid Cudi or something, just relax, and then I get to classic rock as soon as closer the game gets and then I get into the grunge music right before the game that's where I kind of ended it out because I had my music playlist that I'd literally just hit play and I'd run through the same game for the same playlist for three years um and you did notice that some games were like things were more rushed and you didn't get to like listen to it fully you kind of noticed like you were kind of off like so everyone has their routines you get out to the field you do your same stretches you the same people same handshakes and whenever that gets thrown off, you know, it just gets kind of weird. But I think for sure, I was just listening to music. You know, game day, no one's all goofing around. Some guys are just the way they work. Um, but for the most part, I think everyone's kind of minding their own business. And everyone's got their own way of doing things. Some people close their eyes and take a nap in the locker room mm. right before the game. And some people are banging their heads against the locker, which would be me and, like, Zach J- Jabba, Zach Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, so... I'm trying to go back here and, and from a timeline perspective, did you have, you would have had Carson um, at the helm yep. at one point, and then you had Easton. So those would have been the two quarterbacks um, that you would have had, correct? Yep. So so Carson would have been my stop uh, redshirt freshman year. I was there for him for two years. So I've always been interested in... Um, you know, with with having played with a guy like Carson, and obviously we know where he's at today, and the amount of success that he's had and will continue to have, from from playing with a guy like Carson, um, and kind of the buzz that he generated, um, did you was that how how did that as as a player um, did that affect you guys at all? Did you guys feel like you were 
having to answer or, you know, maybe there's more media around and just kind of walk me through because it's not very often that you, or uh, let me ask you this before you answer, did you guys see the potential of, of the Carson Wentz allure before anyone else? You know, I, I know you're in practices and you, did, could you see this kind of freight train coming down the tracks in terms of his media, you know, just mediatic yeah. rise to I definitely think that I didn't I did not notice that he was gonna be number two pick. You know, I, I always thought like, hey, he's gonna be third rounder, you know, get a chance to play, get picked up somewhere, but I never actually felt like he was gonna be number two pick until after he finished his senior year and then he did really good at the combine and so everything just got hyped up, his body size, how smart he is. And so it just never felt like um people were like that interested in like high rounds until like it was season was over and then it like blew up. So I never felt like he was, I always thought he was going to be like a mid rounder. Right. And I think a lot of people, uh, thought that, you know, and, um, and then you, you, so then he, he injures himself. Uh, he, you know, he, he goes through the wrist and Easton comes in, uh, and it's just, you know, it's like, no problem, you know, rattles off seven straight wins, and here you guys are in the national eight, 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 straight, eight straight wins, uh, excuse me. They had to give Stick some credit there. Uh, you guys find yourself in the national title. Do you think the decision to, um, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you think the, the decision to put Carson back in at the starter um, after what Easton did was in fact, the correct decision? Because there, there was a lot of discussion on um, why there, or how somebody else would have handled that. And I think it was handled just, the, you know, I, I would have done the same. But I'm just curious to what your thoughts were. Yeah, my thoughts, you know, when I first heard that Stick wasn't going to be playing because Carson would have been back, you know, at the time we didn't know if Carson was going to be ready. And, you know, I think we all knew that Carson was going to be ready. He's going to make himself ready to play. But I always thought that, Stick had got us there, and I was like, you know, at the time, I'm like, Stick's going to be playing. There's no way they're going to play Carson. He hasn't played in a while. But then to come game time, we find out Carson's going to play. All week practice, we knew it. And nothing changed for him. You know, he the whole time he'd been mentoring Stick, the whole time he'd been watching film, twice as much film, to make sure that Stick knew what he was doing. And even Easton will say, like, I got to say, for sure, you know, personally, as Stick being a good friend of mine in my class, mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, I, I was hope, wishing he could play because that was like, you know, he did such a good job pulling the team and he'll give credit to everyone else before himself. But like coming into that situation as a redshirt freshman and winning eight games straight and a really, really tough conference in the through playoffs and then also just giving it up, you know, that takes a lot of one guts just to be like, you know, he deserves it. He, he got me here, you know. That's a, that puts a lot on it. Like, I, I wish I could say that, you know, like, I think, thought Carson should have played, but I thought Stick should have played just at the time because, you know, I watched how much effort he put into it and how he got us there. I think a lot of people respected uh, Easton Stick before he took a snap. I think people knew the kind of player he was and the kind of person he was, um, but he won over a lot of people and I think made a lot of people feel really comfortable with the direction that the program was going to continue going when um, I think the very first thing 
you know, he, he, he I think he admitted it at very briefly, like he would have loved to have the opportunity, but he understood the decision and he was happy for a guy like Carson to be able to go um, into that game and play. And, and it's not like Easton was, uh, and your and yourself, you guys, just the amount of success after the fact. Um, so it's, it's hindsight can be 2020 and, and, uh, certainly, uh, Easton went on and, and, and continue to just take this, you know, and you and all these other players take this program beyond, I think what a lot of people ever thought could be possible. You are, so you're not, you're done playing, um, you know, and do you have, um, did you keep, did you, you get to keep your jerseys, don't you? Do you have all of your jerseys, like the? I have one. One, okay. Actually, do I have two? I can't remember now. I know I got the white one. Um, I can't remember this. I got both helmets. My green one. I got my harvest bowl helmet. I got my normal helmet that I've had. You know, I had for how many years? And then, which is kind of cool, because that's the thing you kind of get attached to is your helmet. You know, yeah, it yeah. to you and everything. Um. And then I do, I do we get your your white jersey, but we didn't get the new one. So my senior year, we had those new jerseys, you know? Yep. We didn't get those. So okay. I was kind of disappointed because that was the one you get playing your senior year, but they weren't giving them up. And they wouldn't even let us buy them. But I do have, I end up buying an older green one, um, one of the older green ones. So I do have two jerseys. I do remember now, but they give you one. Where where are your rings sitting? Are they in a in a case somewhere or? Do you, do you They're break? actually at home in my dad's gun safe. Okay. That's probably so, a good place to keep them. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, good place to keep them, right? Uh, do you ever, do you ever break those out whenever you go back home? Do you ever make sure no, they still I'm fit? A, and... I'd, honestly, I'd rather keep them in there. You know, I always have like, some of my coworkers are like, yeah, I should bring them sometime. Or, you know, some of my customers are like, yeah, it'd be cool if I brought them there to show them. But you know, I'm not that kind of person. I don't like to yeah, no, have, them, have them on. One, they hurt your hands when you have them on, too. I don't oh, like just, it's kind of cool like, to come back to an event, like an alumni event, and wear them. You wear one of them, you know, like your, last, your favorite one or your last one. Um, but, you know, I just kind of more of a feeling like, hey, I don't really need to share that with anyone else. It's kind of cool to show someone, like, see their face, like, well, oh, this is so sweet. But at the same time, it's like that's your accomplishment and – I, yeah, sometimes it's, it's selfish of me, I guess, but I no, just don't want to share it. <laughs> and I totally, and I totally get where you're coming from. It's, uh, it's, you, you had to do a lot, and you had to work really hard to to earn those. And, um, and I could, I would, I can totally understand the the personal of, uh, or the personal feeling that you would, you know, it's kind of, it's like why people have tattoos in certain areas that you maybe don't know they have one, and then you find out like, oh, you have a tattoo, and and they'll tell you. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it means something to me, so I'm not, but I'm not advertising or I'm not yeah. showing it off. And so, um, I totally understand that. So you, you, uh, you're now done with football. Um, you've been, uh, when did you graduate? From college? Yeah. I graduated. It would be, this would be my second season out. So it would have been, um, Eight. a year and a half now. Okay. And what did you end up uh, pursuing when you were, what was your um, degree? So when I finished, uh, you know, my degree is in agribusiness and crop and weed science and business administration minor. Um, I, now, I now work for a company called Nutrient Ag Solutions. I do, I sell a wholesale rep 
um, sales rep. So I go out to other dealers and co-ops throughout Southeast North Dakota, and I, I sell them chemical and seed. So, so far I like it. <laughs> what, uh, do people recognize you when, you know, do they, do you get the, the farmer or somebody that's, you know, Hey, weren't you on the bison? Or did you play for the bison? Do you get that a lot? Yeah, actually surprising more than you think. Um, like I, I don't really advertise like, Oh yeah, I played football. You know, I wear my bison. Some days I wear a hat and I got, I wear a bison hat. Um, I always got to wrap the right stuff. Right. Right. And then, uh, I'd go out and he's like, oh, what's your name? I'd be like, Aaron Seidel. He'd be like, oh, I remember you. You uh, you were a nose tackle. I was like, oh, good memory. Yeah, <laughs> that was a couple years ago. But, oh, yeah, I remember watching you for a couple years, right? I was like, yeah. And I think it helps being a captain, too, because then people remember your name a little bit better. Sure. Because um, they see your name up on the screen, maybe, or something. Um, but I also had a customer in mind. When I first met him, I called him. I was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. My name's Aaron Steidel. Uh, you know, I just sort of take over you guys as a count. And he's like, oh, you don't have to introduce yourself to me. I know you very well. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Have I met you before? Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of funny. This stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, okay. Well, and, and uh, you know, that's a, it's always an interesting thing because you don't realize how many people uh, keep tabs on the program and the players. And and uh, so when you get out into the real, you know, out, out of the football playing uh days and you run into you know like you said into two individuals that are um you know very passionate about football and and will tell you they could tell you every score from you know from now till uh back to you know 1940 so it's just it's really awesome to see that kind of come through so you're you're doing you're you're a wholesale sales rep selling seed do you have any plans um do you ever want to coach one day you know, I keep thinking about that, and now that football's over with, and I'm not doing anything, you know, my cousin just got a, um, a new coaching job, assistant, and he's been talking about how excited he is, and we talk all the time, he's like my brother, pretty much, and I'm like, trying to get the itch now, where I'm like, you know, I like, I do some summer camps, and make some bucks on the side, most summers, you know, now times are a little bit different, um, but I usually do like a summer camp or two in the summer, which gets my fill in, um, but now this year I didn't do those and I'm really getting in the itch where I, I wish I had more time for fall camp to go help out a team. Maybe I can, you know, I live right down the road from Davies high school. Maybe I can talk to them and once a week I come to practice and just show up for a few pointers, you know, but my job is tough to make it every day. Um, but I could still help. And maybe that's something I got to look forward to in the future. I don't know your thoughts on that or maybe some advice, but you know, the, you know, so I, I just finished my master's program. Um, Congratulations. Well, thank you. And, you know, through through the program and, and even in my undergraduate, um, you know, made a lot of great connections. And and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, if if, if you're ever interested, um, you, you all you got to do is get in touch with the right people. And, you know, for, for, for high school athletes especially, and you and I both know what it's like to be in, in that – time in your life um I loved having uh former player you know alumni or whatever the case may be come and talk to me as a high school athlete because I just every you know I hung on to every word because I yes. had you know I had uh envisions or you know goals to you know oh I would love to be in that position one day or have an opportunity and and uh so 
I can definitely see where the itch comes in where you you know you've been away from it a little bit and I think the you know as we move into August here and um it always re- you know I I remember August always being in high school the hottest two weeks of two a day practices it was just you could have you know a summer that's very mediocre in temperature and whatever for some reason when August you know the calendar switched to August 1st and that first day of, of practice, you get you know you're there on the field 95. by six six a.m. It was ninety it was ninety degrees by seven thirty, and you haven't even gotten through you know half uh, half of a drill, and it was just. But we had players come back. We had uh, different things, and so I would certainly I would certainly uh, like you said it with work and balancing everything else in life. That there's uh, certainly uh, you got to find the right time to do it. I don't necessarily think there's the best time, but, um, just, just, I mean, yeah, we're, we're both, you and I both live right next to Davies and, uh, I bet I would venture to guess that they would, if you called or got in touch with someone, they'd be like, yeah, <laughs> please do, you because know, we've got a lot I of kids one, here that would love to hear you. I think one thing that's cool about that opportunity is I'm not a head, sometimes like you said, it takes a while to stick in your head, but when you get a, someone that, other than your coach, that says something, sometimes it sticks in players' heads or someone who's a little more relatable, a little bit younger, or, you know, like some of those kids can look up to a little bit more. I always remember the people that came back and helped once a day that were like a college sport, you know, that were like a student teacher now and mm-hmm. doing their, you know, their internship. And he was like helping football. And I remember everything he told me it stuck. And that's what kind of made me a good tight end was in my, you know, sophomore to junior year in high school, he was like telling me, hey, do this. I just everything he said stuck because it's a different voice. Sometimes coaches need that to have a different voice, where you know, constantly repeating the same thing. You see them every day. They have all these kids to look after, but every now and then you get a little more attention on some different different players at different times of the practice. You know, those kids really stick to those words. That's something that I see myself falling into. It and said it'd be cool to get an opportunity to help out and um, be that person because I know I had people that helped me out that way. So. And and for you know, and this is I'm saying this because of the audience. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Aaron was in my activity uh, course badminton. Uh, oh yeah. Brought awesome. brought the brought the thunder to, so to badminton class, and I always felt like because of uh, and I I said this on the first night um, to the to everybody that was there. I'm not that I wasn't that far removed from a lot of students that were sitting there. So I understood the pressures of, you know, midterms and you've got an important exam and uh, just homework in general and all these different things that you have to manage um, in college. And I think from my perspective, it really helped me relate to the student and then vice versa because, um, and then this is no slight to uh, any of the older instructors, but like you said, if you had... They they have so many other things that they've got to juggle, to have some to have a different voice come in and say you know look I understand, you know what it's like to study for a midterm I was doing it a year and a half ago you know literally, and, literally and, six months ago you were taking that <laughs> you were doing the same type of thing with midterms yeah and I always tried to t- be very up very upfront with with uh, all of the students that I had a really um, awesome time with to say like just communicate with me I understand you know what you're going through to some degree so if you come to me and say hey man like I've got I gotta dip out early because I've got a big exam tomorrow morning 
I'm going to 100% be fine with that because in the grand scheme of things, you're, you come into badminton, which I loved having everybody there and whatever. Um, but I still want you to succeed outside of, you know, a course like that. It's not going to be something that is going to make or break your career. That big midterm test though, however, you know, is going to really, yeah, that will, that will, you know, propel you or hinder you in some way. So I always tried to be open and honest with, uh, allowing people to have those those uh, opportunities. Last little bit, uh, Aaron, that I want to kind of pick your brain about, um, which is some things uh, that are happening around us. 2020, uh, for lack of a better term, has been just utter chaos. Uh, it's... No, I have never... We've never seen anything what what we're going through right now. Each week um, is something I think crazy is happening in the world. Um, from from a sports perspective, and and you and I I don't know how much you've been paying attention, but uh, a lot of conferences and high schools. I I know Minnesota just announced, um, you know they're they're moving uh, sports some of the sports to the spring. Uh, there's going to be no fall football in, in Minnesota, which I think is just, it's, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. What is your prediction of all, that's going to come out of all of this? I mean, whether it's COVID, I mean, just, where, where, where are your thoughts on everything? You know. And, and, and as a former husband, player, as a former player, if you're, and not to cut you off, but as a former player, uh, you're getting ready for, um, your fall practice, or you've, you've pro- you know, you've been in your summer weights and whatever, but now you're really starting to gear up for the season. Talk to me what, you know, how th- something like this is affecting a, a, a football player right now. Oh, definitely. You know, my mom's best friend's kid, he's like my little brother, Travis Yonke, he's going to now be a retro freshman tight end on the team. And he, all summer long, he's working with us for our company. Um, he's been working his butt off, been running, working out. Now he gets to practice. Who knows if they're even going to have a season at these times? You don't even know. Um, you know, my cousin plays Division Two football. There's sounds like their season might be being moved to the spring. If it hasn't already, I haven't heard yet. Um, the whole operation of you, you get in this routine of, I'm, okay, this is summertime. I work my butt off. I'm, I'm top shape right now, ready to go into fall camp. And then you start doing practices. You know, they start tomorrow, correct, Friday. And it's just crazy to think that he puts on all this work in and he was telling me, he's like, you know, I don't even know if we're going to get a play. So you go through fall camp and you get told, Hey, you're not going to play. So you put yeah. all this work in and get all this excitement ready for the season. And then it just goes away. Well, then how do you expect to start that up again later on? You know, you got to redo all that training and that's vigorous training that coach Kramer got him doing in the, in the summertime. You know, that's not easy stuff. Every day, five thirty. every night, five o'clock runs. So would you say that, you know, and, and I've, I've had a chance to talk to other, you know, and, and with, it, well, let's just say, hypothetically, there is no season for, for NDSU. How do you think guys that, like you said, that are, you know, you have to, you're going to have to restart, you're going to have to do all these things, um, is that an advantage for a, a, for another program? I mean, I know everybody's going through this, but because of the momentum that NDSU has, 
coming off of a national title, um, a lot of buzz around this, you know, this team that is going to be coming in. Do you think this is a, a, a really a huge roadblock for a team like NDSU that relies on that momentum to go, you know, right back into things? And then uh, for just argument's sake, JMU across the way is thinking, hey, even though that we're kind of up in the air with things right now, is this our opportunity to make up some ground? I mean, kind of talk me through how you would interpret yeah. that. I, I guess I could definitely see how JMU might think there's more ground. Um, you know, teams would definitely be like, okay, we get more time not to prepare. So sure. I can definitely tell you right now that Coach Kramer's not, this, they were postponing the season. I can tell you right now that Coach Kramer would not be like, we're going to sit back and relax, you know, he'd be like, all right, here we go, restart. That's the way he is after national championship, come back the first day. If you wear a t-shirt that says national champion, into the weight room, he'll make you turn it inside out or take it off. He, like, he, it's kind of crazy to think that he's literally restarting all the time, no matter what, even month to month. He's like, all right, restart. You know, we did good last month, but this is a new day, you know. So the fact that other teams definitely will use it to their advantage and help themselves out, but I definitely don't see NDSU slowing down on the pedal at all. And I think I, I would have to agree with that. It, you know, um, I think with the just the when you got a good thing going on, it it can be really hard. I mean, even from an opponent standpoint, it can be really hard to slow that train down. Um, and there's a lot of things that I think that would have to happen to, like you said. Uh, a, a pandemic is going to do something to some degree. Um, but like, you know, if you've got the right mindset and everything, I believe a, a program like NDSU is built to get through um, that just because of how the way that they operate. And it's, you know, neither here or there. But so have you ever, and as a player, I'm sure you guys got maybe asked or um, NDSU to FBS, Give me your thought. What what part of that argument do you like and what part of it don't you like? You know, right now, short term, I've always been a firm believer if something's not broke, why fix it, right? Mm -hmm. um, everyone always asks me that same question. You know, I have friends, customers, family members. What do you think about F FBS? And I, it always drives me nuts because it's like, you know, you don't want to wreck a good thing, right? But, I, you know, 10, 10 years from now, I can definitely see it happening. You know, three years from now, no, everyone's always like, oh, you guys can join the big leagues here in a couple of years. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not going to happen. You know, that's dumb. Like, why would you do that? The money's not there. Um, just that's the main thing is if you go up with the money, it's just not support's not there. 10 years from now, that could be a possibility, you know, especially with the way things are going, the more hype you get. Uh, you know, like a, a big 12 or even something a little bit smaller than that, you know, not maybe not power five, but you definitely see what I'm saying here. Oh there's, yeah. There's potential in the near future, but not in the real near future. And I think what people, and I, and I have to agree with you. Um, I've always just been curious to what, what, a, you know, a player might think about that question. And I know you get asked a lot, so, but I, I've always looked at it as logistically there's a lot of things that doesn't make that that don't add up and don't make sense about it right now. I totally agree yeah. with you saying uh down the road 10 years it totally could be um more of a possibility. But even then you don't, you know, it, maybe maybe not. Um I think because of the location, 
uh, of where Fargo is compared to, I mean, really, and that's a bad argument because teams travel all over the place nowadays, but I think from a standpoint of, of like you said, the, the financial aspect, um, you've got to have a certain enrollment size. Uh, are those things that could ever happen? I mean, I, I don't have a magic eight ball. I don't know. Um, and I've when I've been asked the question or when I've gotten into uh, debates about, you know, NDSU to FBS, I've taken the same approach, like you said, why fix uh, something if it's not broke? And I think, I think as a player or, at, you know, and you can maybe attest to this, Aaron, do you think um, because of not being considered an FBS school, did you ever get criticized for, you know, well, it's not FBS? I mean, did you, did you ever have to encounter um, some of that pushback from people that... Definitely. Yeah. And how did you have, and how does, and as a, as a player and as a program, uh, what was your response to that? You know, a lot of times, I hear it all the time, I see it on social media, and that's one thing we always stayed, I always stayed away from while playing with social media because it made me so mad that people would always call it like a D2 school. They'd be like, oh, you know, that's a D2 school. You know, you're not playing anybody. I'm like, okay, well, we go to Iowa, beat Iowa. Yeah. You know, Iowa State, and they all the past games. And I always wanted to play the Gophers because I got a lot of buddies that went to U of M and they always were talking like, you guys would get your your crap stomped by us. And I was like, oh gosh, just give me a chance. (laughs) Give me a chance to play. So just the fact that, you know, I always feel the fire, especially when we went to Iowa, you know, you got the pink locker room and, you know, my, my fiance is from Iowa and she's down in Hawkeye country. You know, one of her best friends played on on the team as a Hawkeye was a captain the year before me. Um, uh, down on Kinnick there and just the fact that having all them down there you know super just cool atmosphere but you're walking in you're intimidated but everyone's doubting you that's the coolest feeling but I think if we were to ever enter that FBS level you know that that little bit of that underdog feeling would wear off eventually and who knows how that how you play each week game to game right mm-hmm. I don't know what your thoughts on that are you know I mean, so NDSU, has, you know, with, what, six straight wins against FBS opponents? Um, I will say, and I will, and I will admit this, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure how the Iowa game was going to go. Only because... Me neither. <laughs> only because... Um, and it's funny, because the Kansas State, uh, I, was, I was at Iowa State. I was at that game. Um, and the games that I've seen before that, I always felt like, you know, yeah, I think we've, we've got, but for some reason that Iowa game, I just wasn't sure. And, uh, the way the game started where you guys are rolling on offense and then a, a turnover happens and they go, you know, they score. And, um, but I think what I almost kick myself now uh, after the fact, um, is because I should know better because the resiliency is something that doesn't get. You doubted us, didn't you, Blaine? Come on, man. You know you got me. I, 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 like I said, I kick myself because I should know better that the resiliency of a program like NDSU and the accomplishments that they've that you and your teammates had already uh, been through. 
why in it, why in God's name would I think that oh I I'm doubting this thing? But there was a point throughout during that game where I just I just didn't know, and I've watched I've watched and I've been at a lot of different uh, games um, over the years, but I I was probably the happiest person, and I, and I I know there was a lot of other people when you guys pulled that off to think that I was like yeah. Why would I think any other any different? This of course this team is gonna, I, I and I called it. I Aaron, I was with, I was actually at work. I was working at Shields. Shout out to Shields. I don't get sponsored by them, but if they ever hear this, um, I was working. I was working at Shields, and I have never so, for for those who are familiar with Shields, it's a sporting goods. Where you know maybe if you're listening to this somewhere else, you're not familiar, but sporting goods store, and their biggest thing is customer service. You're always helping someone. You're always assisting and they knew that the game was on so they had the game on and all the tvs and and uh i have never seen an entire and keep in mind the store here in fargo is big it's a big store that place came to a complete standstill the final minute or you know two minutes of that game and i had never yeah it was it was absolutely insane it was so cool to be a part of because for 30 seconds the entire world just stopped and we had managers that and even very high up uh, supervisors stop and we're all looking at a TV. People from out of town that had no idea what was going on were looking at, the TV, at these TV and it was just the coolest thing because I was like, this is, you don't see this very often. You don't see show stopping moments and, uh, and and when the kick went through, uh, I mean, that place erupted. I mean, it was just like we were in the dome. I mean, people were cheering and running up and down the stairs and just high-fiving one another. And it was just this, and I can only imagine, you know, being there. Um, but it was just incredible. And like I said, after the fact, I was like, why, why would I doubt? Of course. Of course we were going to take the ball and do our classic eight minutes, ground and pound, nothing sexy about it, wear you down, and it, it worked out, it worked out perfectly, and uh, um, I have to give a shout out, um, uh, who, a good buddy of mine, uh, Mason, if he's, uh, when he's listening to this, best, best wrist tape in the world. <laughs> he, he, he was wondering about that, um, uh, Mason was, a, we were roommates, and was in my wedding, and a good, a good buddy of mine, and, um, when I told him I had Aaron in my uh, badminton class, he just giggled. He's, he was just like, he's like, is Aaron pretty good at badminton? I'm like, yeah, he's really good at badminton. He's light on his feet. He moves. I love badminton. <laughs> he, he, I'm like, the guy can, I can see why he, he's uh, at the position that he is because he can move laterally uh, so quick. And I think you doubted, or I think you surprised a lot of people that maybe weren't familiar with who, who you were. Um, coming into that class because uh i think They're a lot of competitive yeah they probably class, they sure. <laughs> they saw they saw this lumbering uh guy come in and you're like ah you know like i'll be able to get him side to side and we'll score some points no i i don't think any team that you were on lost uh correct me if i'm wrong but no mason i thought that was uh he he wanted to make sure that um uh the the best wrist taper out there was was being recognized so no i'll give him credit any day of the week i you know i've always had my part time about routines and you get that's one of the part of the routines and uh 
I'd have to, after my grandpa had passed away at the time, you know, the year before, super person close to my life, I'd always have him write down, you know, a cross with my grandpa's initials on it. And he was always the guy that had taped me for practice, before games. Like, it's just one of those things where, you know, you get the people that do it right in the most comfortable way. And it sounds kind of stupid to think, like, oh, no, this that's... that's really it. But, like, it's just one of those things. You feel comfortable, you're in the mood, you're in your focus. And, like, go ahead and put this back in the, in the question when I was talking about routines. But I'd say for sure that's uh, one part of my biggest moment was actually getting my wrist taped by Mason or each whoever the person was of the year. Um, you know, you pick your person and that's who you go with. And if you didn't get a tape by them, you weren't on for that game. I have to agree. I had a, uh, I loved my, my high school, uh, coaches and, uh, you know, had a lot of good ones. But there was only one coach that I would let wrap my ankles before basketball games. I had I had a head coach uh, my my senior year. He attempted to do it, and I blatantly just told him. I said, "Sorry, coach, this isn't it." And <laughs> took off the tape. I and uh, went. My assistant or the assistant coach was we just finished taping somebody else, and he said, uh, "Yeah." He said, "Coach didn't do a good job." I said, "No, no, of course he didn't do a good job. It's not your tape job. I need your tape job. This is." If I'm going to have any sort of game tonight, it has to be. So I totally understand that. Last. I think think I'm more just like a free Madonna if I'm playing (laughs) over wrist tape. Hey, it worked out. You got got four titles out of it. So, I mean, maybe there's something to it. My last uh, question of the night here, uh, Aaron, before I let you go. um, Like I said, 2020 has been crazy. Looking into next year, um, and I just, this is just a very broad question, but give me a uh what what crazy prediction do you have for 2021 it can be sports related could be um i know you're getting uh uh you're engaged uh so i would assume that there's a um a wedding on the horizon at some point yep next july very cool very cool um so looking looking into next year um besides an awesome event like that what prediction do you have uh, do you see the Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl? What 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 do you got for me? You know, I, I like Gronkowski. He's always been one of my favorite players to watch. Just his attitude, even though he's kind of a nonchalant goofball and all that. You know, I honestly, it'd be kind of crazy to watch the Bucks come out, but I got to go with Patrick Mahomes again. <laughs> so maybe that's not a crazy prediction, but I think for Super Bowl winners, I got to go with you know, Patrick Mahomes what do you, once more. So, what is your impression of a of a half a billion dollar contract? My impression. What's What's your thought on that? Did you? <laughs> uh, dude got paid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, every I think he you know I sometimes scoff at these big contracts and I there's a lot of players that you could make an argument yeah they deserve it or whatever. Um, Patrick Mahomes I outright. I believe deserved what he got paid because of just the transcendent way that he plays the position. And um, I think he's just getting started. I don't know if you can add to that one, but I think he's seriously just getting started. Which is scary. He's really young, and what he's seen done. I think he's he's already captain, correct? Um, yeah. I mean, just the fact that he's turned into that role so fast, and now I, I listen to part of my take, and they make fun of you know he's a good friend of them, and they make fun of him all the time, but like he's just in that role already. Where they, he got paid for a reason, well, like you said, well deserved. You know, he's going to be in that role for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and like you, you know, and 
they're like you look at these contracts and even across all sports you're kind of like wow you know i don't know if i would i would mortgage that much money towards this individual but uh, a guy like patrick mahomes you're, i don't think that's a bad investment um same with a guy of uh like carson wentz um who's had his fair share of ups and downs in philadelphia to really know no uh i i i find it really hard when or what what I'm disappointing when people say, well, there's a there's a quarterback problem in in Philadelphia. I said, no, there's not. The guy just has had some unfortunate, you know, injuries and and that's part of the game. I mean, and you can attest to this. Injuries are part of the game. They're 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 one of the things that you can't control. I mean, you can do everything to to do to not take hits and to do all these things, but at the end of the day, um, things are going to happen. So it's always interesting when I hear those headlines, but. Uh, and part of what makes a really good team is, you know, that's why New Caesar has been so credited for is next man up, you know. Same thing, Carson got hurt, Easton stepped up. You know, it happens all the time throughout that people don't even notice in games, you know, some big player, or, you know, guy who's been in the role for a while gets hurt, next guy up, you know. That's what really separates teams, good teams from the great teams of the ones who have those that depth. That's what NSU has had the past couple of years. For sure, for sure. Um, Aaron, that's all I got for you, man. Do you have anything for me? Yeah, I know you, uh, we, like I said, we, we've gotten to know each other over the years. Um, I mean, you, is there anything that you want to yell at me about or bicker? Absolutely not. You're <laughs> a great, great Batman. <laughs> professor, should call you Professor. Uh, no, the one the one game I did actually get kind of dinged up. I texted you and I was like, "Hey, I'm not gonna make it to class today. I could barely walk. My back was all screwed up." And uh, you know, you just made me do go to the wellness and take like a yoga thing a couple weeks later. So thanks for that. I uh, I had to go sit in hot yoga. It was awful. Well, little did you know, I after you told me that you couldn't make it and whatever, I just I cursed you out in front of the entire group and oh I said, gosh. "That's that's the guy. You know, don't be like that guy. You know, he's just." Cutting corners left and right. He doesn't want to be here. Yeah, no, no. It's a. It was a lot of fun, and um, this was a lot of fun. I like I said, thank you for for taking uh, an opportunity to come on, and and I'd love to have you back once uh, once we kind of get through this this uh, crazy times and and do do these interviews in person. That's we're still doing all of this remote, which is um, in in the best interest of I think people around Absolutely. us right now. And if you um, ever need a third ad and. Uh, and uh, uh, a third person, I guess. It always helps, you know, have another person that think of questions that you might not have at the time or add to conversation. Definitely feel free to call me. For sure. I will uh, I will definitely do that. I think I've got some people that would love to uh, uh, tee it up with you and, and and see what you think about some things. So, But, Aaron, thanks again. Um, I hope to catch up with you. And, uh, hey, we'll probably pass each other. We're not too far away from each other. So, One of these days, right? Make sure you, thank you very much. Yeah, you have a good night.